amazing. Hello, everyone. Uh, I got a crazy guest today, <laughs> Mr. Harry. Um, but before we get too too far into it, I would like to start the episode off with a land acknowledgement because we are on the unceded territory of the, the Musqueam, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Squamish First Nations. And I think it's really important for us to know where we are and to, to, to acknowledge our, our history as a country. Uh, also, I always forget to do this, but it's great for YouTube. Please please do a like, subscribe, rate it on a podcast thing if you're on it. I don't know how podcast rating works, honestly. Literally haven't looked into it, <laughs> which is probably not a good thing. But that's all right. Um, so yeah, hello. Hello. <laughs> How's it going, mate? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's, yeah, no, it's been sick. I've been watching your podcast for a while. It's it's honestly Since surreal. You did that one with Sam. Uh, that's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> um. How how how's how's BC been? Yo, it's been good. Yeah. It's been really really good. I've been wanting to come here for a really 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 long time since since I pretty much started skateboarding pretty much. Um, and I really made it the point of this trip was not only for the for the going coming to the races, but it was coming to BC, coming somewhere new. You know, I've done a lot of repeat traveling with downhill. Like you kind of go to the same sort of spots, same races, same events, same country, same people even. Um, so I just wanted to kind of like break that sort of mold, if you will, and come somewhere new. And I really wanted to come here. Like I've heard so many good things and I am not, have not been disappointed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what, what spots have you skated so far? Anything you've been meaning to check out that you've hit? It's been really good. I mean everything. I want to hit everything as much as I can. Like I know so many spots from so many videos here. Um, so yeah, to check off some of them has been really sick. So the BPs have been awesome, really really good. And then Britannia was sick as well. Going down Cyprus was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I know that's not like a real gnarly run or anything, but it's just like a it's a thing for me, you know. Um, so I've had a mad time. We had parkades last night. Going down the death spiral. Mate, so good. I, I saw you doing the hot laps on that spiral. Yeah, no, why would you not? Like, that's that's the thing to do. Just go round and round and round. That's <laughs> yeah, great. For for people who don't know what death spiral is, do you think you could explain it to them? So a death spiral is like a parking parking garage, I guess you'd call them. In Australia, we call that a car park. Um, And it's just the exit of the car park is just this never-ending right turn. So I think you do like four or five floors. Just never ending, right? It's fantastic. It's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's iconic. I mean, there's been so many people who have done the parkades back in the day. I remember I used to see photos of P-Swiss just full styling through the, <laughs> through, the, through the death spiral. So I was trying to channel my inner P-Swiss yesterday and it was a good time. Awesome. Um, are, there, are there any spots here in particular you revered as like a, a new skateboarder, like looking into media and being like, whoa, that's, that's crazy? I thought the British properties were off their head when I first saw that. Um, it honestly reminded me a little bit of like skating back home in Hong Kong because there is like you have to be so cautious of traffic. Um, so it was like a, a fresh reminder of like, oh, there's cars on the road when you skate in the British properties and it, it's really fun. I think it adds to a little bit of the excitement there because you have to be alert. Like the road itself wasn't as gnarly as I, like the roads, I must say, because there's a lot of them weren't as gnarly as i was expecting them to be but you add in like the extra spice factor of there being cars on the road everywhere and every single you know run has driveways on it yeah that you know 
really does it. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Uh, does it add extra excitement too to be with a bunch of people who are who are like very comfortable there, and you being new, you, you have to like oh, it's close wild. To it's wild when you just see people who are locals just push off and start tucking, and you, it's your first time on there, and you're like, well. I guess this is how it'd be now. Like, and you're just <laughs> trying to catch up to people on free ride wheels while you're riding Magnum. It's been like far out. Like, these dudes are sending it because, like, they're all locals and you just got to, like, trust blind faith and just go have faith. Yeah. It's it's crazy what people do there. Um, like, like Sam, Sam and, and the boys and, and everyone else just getting really close. Uh, this is some, some, some gnarly stuff out in the BPs for sure. Um, I, I guess you just came back from the States or came here from the States. That's right. Yeah. Did you, did you skate both Mary Hill and Tepe? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, how, how was that? I saw some crazy, uh, uh, media posted lots of pictures, lots of people getting really messed up. Yeah. I mean, I was wearing my suit the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. I actually, except for like a couple of runs at Tepe when it was raining, I wore, I wore my suit every single run. And I try to stay more towards the front of the pack. And yeah, try and stay out of people's way. Because I'm just trying to go fast, Ben. Yeah. Like I'm trying to go as fast as I can every single run. And just like try and race every single run. Um, so I wasn't really spending much time at the back because it gets pretty dangerous. Yeah, a lot especially, of people taking each other. Yeah, especially on, the, on those roads. Not necessarily in Mary Hill so much, but on Tepe. When you start from the top, it's a long track. People aren't tucking. I was... I was. I think I rode fr- freshies almost every single run at Tepe. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of wheels. It's a lot of wheels, but smoke them if you got them, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just taking hot laps at Tepe, so I didn't really take many cruisy boy runs or, like, skate with anybody sketchy. Anyone that I skated with, I knew exactly what they were doing. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty chill. But, yeah, there was some gnarly, gnarly tangles. Because there's a lot of people, man. It's, like, what, 200 people, maybe 200 plus people really all skating the road at the same time kevin doesn't do like four at a time go four at a time go well i mean neither do the rats either to be fair it's just like course is open go (laughs) you just skate yeah everybody goes at once i mean not all the time but potentially yeah everyone could go at once it's a lot of people on one road yeah it's a shit fight it's unbelievable like it sounds very dangerous yeah i mean it's really fun though so this is what you get, right? Yeah. Can't can't have both. If it was really safe, it wouldn't be that fun, would it? I don't think so. There you go. Um, <laughs> how how is the party at at Mary Hill and Tepe? Is it is it pretty pretty much the same old every year? Well, man, I come from an era where parties were massive, and people were absolute characters. You know, like the days of. What would, you, what would you call the heyday, the golden era downhill when everyone was on a contract, everyone was getting paid, when pros were really pros and they partied like they were getting paid. I promise you that. So like those old Kosakov parties, those old armory parties that I was just a kid at, just like watching being like, whoa, this is sick. And then when I finally got old enough to really actually send it that hard in the parties, all those dudes were gone and the parties were just like me and people my age. And we were kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, what happened to those rager parties? You know what I mean? <laughs> but this time, I came back to North America. Like, Tepe went off. 
it was some good stuff happening at Tete. Like there's some proper, proper filthy partying <laughs> back at Tete. So that was good to see. I was happy to I was happy to see some proper tomfoolery like back at Tete. Like Danger Dane, he really got on it and put on a show for everybody. Um, so that was that was interesting to watch. Um, and Mary Hill went hard. I went hard at Mary Hill. So I was having a good time. Hell yeah. Um. What what percentage of races do you skate hungover? Like race days? Yeah. Zero. Zero? Yeah. So you make a conscious effort. To- oh, for sure. Okay. If you want to win, man, these days you can. Like there used to be a thing where people would try and win the party and then the race. And I'd say there's one person who could still do that. Who? It's Danger Dane. He's probably the only person alive right now who could win the party and then still be competitive on the racetrack in the same 24 hours. Other people probably going to be ruined. Yeah, I mean... mean? So you you can pick one. I mean, you could do it if the party was after the race. Good opportunity. But if the party's before the race, forget about it. Yeah, if you want to be competitive... In this sport, if you want to win races in this sport now, then you kind of have to take it a little bit more seriously. All right, yeah, that, I I I get that. Yeah, because it, it is ultimately a competitive sport. You are absolutely, and it's super competitive now. Yeah, so you you got to like put in the hard time and maybe skip a night of drinking if you want to do you well know, the day after. Have a really good night of drinking the day after, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrate your victory. Right. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, yeah, because cause I'd imagine every night is party night, so it, it'll be kind of tricky to restrain yourself. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, mean, you got to, re- like, it depends if you want it or not. Yeah, exactly. Depends how much that W means to you. So, truly, you, can, you know, go to sleep a little bit earlier on on the night before a race. I mean, I tend to do so, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly done you pretty well. Yeah, done all right. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad. Um, well, I'm 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 curious. How long have you been skating for, and and how many of those years have you been touring, doing races like the Euro Tour yeah. and stuff? Like um, that? I started skating in 2011. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I got a board for my birthday in in 2011. So like around November time. How old were you? 14, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I think I was 14 years old. I'm not too sure. Um. And I got a board for my birthday, and I just started skating around where I live. Um, and then, you know, via the internet, I found out that some people that I also knew also skated downhill. And then I linked up with them, and then we had like a small little scene of Groms. And then racing happened. And I was like, oh, because like, I'm a really competitive person, and I really like sport. I've been doing sports my whole life, every sport you've ever imagined. Um, and I like found skateboarding and it was like cool because it wasn't competitive. And then I realized like, I could compete and I was actually kind of good. And then I was like, this is my shit. Was that kind of your moment when you realized you could compete at it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, there wasn't a lot of people to compete against, but I don't know. I, th- I thought that I could, I was like, all right, I could probably do this. Like, um, I saw the writing on the wall a little bit and it's crazy I, to think about it like i was telling my homies when we were like 15 years old walking up the hills and like i couldn't see any generation behind us and i was like dude we're gonna be sponsored like i know we're gonna make it 
and I was telling that to my to my to my two homies who we, who I'd skate most with. I'm like, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be sponsored. I'm gonna I'm gonna race, and I'm gonna be fucking stoked. You know what I mean? Because I I don't know. I just saw it, and maybe maybe I wished it into existence, but it happened. Because we were we were just the kids coming up, and I and I saw it from a mile away. So I don't know. I'm happy it worked out. I I think it's it's awesome, and it, and it's cool. You've you've had that idea in your head for so long. How it's kind of like manifested yeah, itself. Yeah, no, a long time, long time. It's been a long time coming. But I guess that's also what it takes to be to be like a world class at something. Is is a lot of a lot of time. Yeah. What what do they say? Ten thousand hours makes you a master. Yeah. You think you got ten thousand hours on a skateboard? No, I got definitely got ten thousand hours thinking about it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, got, I definitely have ten thousand hours thinking about skating. But I, I was thinking about that, and I think on, I think roughly over ten years, probably about you know twenty five hundred to five thousand hours. Okay. Maybe so, I don't know. I think I think I worked it out at like twenty two hundred with a considerate, considerate guesstimation. Fair. I mean, it's so hard to guesstimate, too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, maybe I blew that. Maybe it's le- way less. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was, that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, thinking I, mean, about I was it. just like going on a calculator, countering like weekends out of years, timesing it by the amount of years, but I don't really know. It's, it's as good as a guess as you can get, I guess. So so what was your, your Grom scene like? Like, how, how was skating? How did you get around? Was it similar to here? You mentioned it. Well, I was the oldest. Similar. Yeah. I was the oldest person skating in our, in our Grom scene for a really 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 long time until we kind of like linked up with like the other scene so i grew up in hong kong i started skating in hong kong um so it's a pretty like small place but there's a lot a lot of people so there was a lot of kids my age who were skating um and i just kind of like joined in with them they were a couple years younger than me but really 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 good um so yeah we just like mold around like Everyone was like international school kids, so all English speaking. I went to English schools. I mean, run and muck around our little territories. Like the nice thing about Hong Kong is that you can't really go far. You know, like you've got a two-hour sort of like radius where you can operate in, skate in, and do whatever you want. Um, so we were pretty free to just like skate wherever. You know, uh-huh. like no, our parents knew we were we were, we were sweet. Um, but then, you know, as you start getting older, people start falling off. And by the time I was like 16, 17, and maybe even 15, like most people were gone. And then it was like maybe three of us, four of us left, five of us left. Um, and then we joined with another crew who were like more of the local Hong Kong guys. And then they founded a skate shop and that became like the SBDW team. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that that that's like very core there for for the skate scene. Oh yeah, like the the skate scene for like the last probably like eight years or so has been like super core, yeah. super super core. And then recently, I think just before I think twenty twenty, these um like Sunday sessions in Hong Kong started getting big because we have like this one spot where it's like a closed road. Oh, nice. So it's like a real, and it's not too steep. Like if you don't slide, you can go pretty quick. But if you're learning how to slide, it's like the perfect, perfect area. Yeah. So Ooh. gotta apologize for the the cat being noisy. It's okay. I'll keep I'll keep it right here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and just since then the scenes exploded. Yeah. In a crazy way, like there's first timers, 
everywhere every single sunday that's so sick i mean how, how many people do you think it is now do you have like a rough estimate of, of how many people are skating i mean there's probably over 50 people skating downhill wow maybe not like consistently but on. all those people for sure get her up there <laughs> i mean yeah the sunday sessions that spdw done have been so good for the community there that's awesome just having like a she's all right all right, all right. just like having a safe space to practice is is like really really important oh totally i mean i really want one of those in australia so i can start teaching people proper but you know with good time it will come truly are, are there any spots like that you've got in mind i mean there's clo- there's heaps man because people like we have waterways that get closed for flooding and when they flood no one seems to worry about them being shut so it's like why don't you just shut them down for like three hours on a sunday and like in the morning um, but it's all like governments and council and you know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. You got to make your own council yeah, to talk exactly, to the council. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If it gets done, it could be pretty awesome for your scene. Yeah, I think so. For sure. That's awesome. What, what, what is the scene like in Australia? Who, who are you skating with and, and what, what does the skateboarding look like? Um, so I live in Sydney, um, which is probably like the biggest city in Australia. Um, the scene is still quite small. Um, it used to be big and now it's small, like most places. Yeah. Um, but our spots are short. They're very steep and typically not the smoothest type of pavement, um, which is kind of like my favorite type of skating anyway. So that's all good. Um, we've got some really nice spots. Some of them are real close to each other. Some of them are like way out in the bush that we've got to drive heaps long away for. Um, but I think we have like a course, like a good session and you get like, maybe 10 people out yeah so, yeah not super big but when you put like an event on we definitely show out so okay yeah that's kind of what matters I, I guess things are very far apart in australia so i mean probably not much further than there is here like you guys like to drive here as well that's true um but yeah it's nothing like the vancouver scene size like i've there's a lot of people skating here which yeah. is super sick and you have like parkade specialists totally i'd never seen that before like people who like exclusively just skate car parks and shred it's pretty sick that's that's pretty much me at this point i haven't yeah, skated well, a, a real real skateboard you gotta start somewhere years. totally i mean um i don't know it's just it's just not the the sport i spend the most time doing but it's so much fun it's a lot of fun yeah i think i think the main thing for me at least is the community just yeah. like my friends show up and i'm like oh, i gotta skateboard with my friends yeah 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 but um no, I, I I think it's pretty neat. Do you guys skate parkades in Australia? Yeah, we do have um, parkades in Australia. It's called Sydney City Bomb Squad. Yeah. It's definitely one of like the most well-known parkades crew in the world. Um, it used to be really gnarly and and like a lot of people would come and it, things would get out of hand. And yeah, there's some there's some crazy stories if you talk to some of the, sort of the OG crew of the early days of Bomb Squad. Um, and same thing, 7, 7 p.m. Thursday night um just go and smash all the car parks like we skate the opera house oh no way yeah the opera house car park is sick it's like six floors of like never-ending tuck lean left <gasps> that's so sick yeah and then when you get to the bottom is a wall and you have to slide left <laughs> so and everybody forgets when the wall was coming and it really sneaks up on you um but yeah there's some really gnarly car parks in sydney but most of them are pretty lax just like just like here in vancouver taking a chill for sure yeah Awesome. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about skateboarding trips and, and travels. Yeah. Because I, I imagine you've got quite a few of those under your belt. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have been traveling for skating for a really long time. So, I mean, 
where where have you been? Can can you give the the listeners like an idea of kind of what it's like to travel around for the sport? I think I've skated on my skateboard's taken me to almost every continent. I've skated I've done races almost everywhere. So I mean, all the way from Australia. Done a lot of skating in Australia, obviously. Um I only moved back there in twenty eighteen though. So a lot of my skating's done elsewhere. But I have skated the east coast of Australia a lot. Um skated in New Zealand a little bit, um, all throughout Asia, you know, mainland China, uh, Taiwan, Philippines is a big, big scene. There's a huge scene in the Philippines. And because I lived in Hong Kong, it was like an hour and a half flight to Manila for like $90 return. $90? Yeah, it used, that's what it used to be. It used to be $90 return. It was insane, bro. It was so good. So I used to hit that flight a lot. <laughs> um, I think I even went over for a weekend a couple of times just to the Philippines, go skate, come right back wow. like, for school. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. So I've done a lot of skating around there. Like we've done a lot of mainland China trips with the SPDW boys. And honestly, those some of those trips were amazing. Like China cops a lot of flack because of like how that government be. And I agree, it's pretty gnarly over there. Um, and I don't love to see it. But the skating, when you're like completely removed from like the politics and stuff, is so good. And the scene is so welcoming. And the beer is so cheap. And it, yeah, it's just like, it's such a good time. These people are always down to like show you what their community is about. And, and that goes for almost everywhere in the world, but China especially. Like they really want to show out and hmm. like, you know, give you a nice experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've skated done a lot of euro tours as well i think i've done like four or five euro tours which is so cool to have done especially because i was so young man um let's get a little bit of the states a bit more nowadays than before and yeah now bc i can check it off finally this is my first time in canada so um it's very exciting it's very exciting actually um so i'm stoked to finally get here and um and lastly the craziest and going to South America and I spent a lot of time skating down there as well. Uh, I could spend three months living in Argentina. Yeah. Skating around there, trying to learn a bit more Spanish than I, than I speak at the moment. Um, yeah. I've been in a lot of races in Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Brazil, Argentina. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite places to, to skateboard travel. I believe it. I mean, they got really steep chundry roads, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's my shit. And I love it. Uh, it it's insane. The the media I've seen come out of, of South America. Yeah, these those guys don't care. Hey? Like, they're, they're just going for it. Absolutely going for it. Rain or shine. It's it, pretty sick. It's so sick. Um, do you have any favorite skateboard media? I have so much favorite skateboard media. I used to consume media like I consumed food when I was a kid. Just like I'd wake up every morning because I lived in Hong Kong. We like we have a time difference where like they would videos would always drop while I was asleep. Oh, so you can wake up and watch. Them. And so I'd wake up like an hour before I had to wake up and just like watch all the videos before I went to school and then like, you know, start my day, go to school and stuff. Um, I love greener pastures so much. I, I still do actually. That was great. Um, all those early Otang videos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So creative, like the um, the Adam Colton videos, like huge inspiration. Um, a lot of the early Lanyots A Team videos, 
which is like what gets me stoked about coming up here. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much, there was, there was so much media. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When it all used to go straight to YouTube or straight to a company's YouTube and then you could just like have like this endless, you know, stream of media. Um, not so much anymore, but there's still some really nice stuff coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that still gets me stoked. But yeah, those old videos, greener pastures and stuff, like really did it for me back in the day. I've, I've been a huge fan of uh, BZTV recently. Yes, those are the boys, BZTV, Benson, Scotty. Yeah, they they really do it good. And that's like, what you see is what you get with those guys. Like, they're super authentic. They're not trying to be anything that they're not. And they just like, they really, really love skating thany wheels. That's it. <laughs> they just get like $35 wheels from Kmart and just go and turn them to dust. And that's it. They love it. And they just do it over and over again. And like, you can see them now from where they were from when I f- first met Benson. Man, he's come a long way and he's so good now. It's, it's really awesome to see. So shout out, Benno. Shout out. Yeah, how how fast do you think uh, you could you could kill a set of Thaney wheels, mate? Scotty would burn a set of wheels in like a couple of runs. Damn. I mean, depending on the wheels, I'm like, I I yeah, of course. Put the hurt on a set of Magnums in a day. Really? Yeah. I, I guess that's a lot of skating then. I mean, it's a lot of sliding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a lot of repetitive sliding. Like, we'll go to one of my local spots. It's called Better Bends, and it's just like vertical chanda slides and i'll go there and do like 20 runs in a day and just turn my wheels to dust do you get the um the kingpin magnum size yeah so that's why i have to stop (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not actually coloring any wheels at all anymore because otherwise i you know wouldn't have a kingpin left but they get to about like what 60 mil and then they're just like ice Okay, and yeah. I just like give them to some grommet and that's it. And that's me done with the wheels. But I got some new rogues and the kingpins are actually fixed. So we can actually call wheels again. Hell yeah. Shout happy, out, happy days. Shout out to rogue. That's, yeah, that's pretty out. sick. Yeah, no, we're stoked about that. So I'm going <laughs> to go, go home and try call some wheels again. You should, you should. It'll it'll be a, 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 a crazy feeling, I imagine. Maybe, yeah. Corin magnums. I mean, Normally I just chunk them to the core and they just explode. Really? When they get that small, yeah. And the lips start falling off and then they just like die. Huh. Unless you have like a really smooth road, then you could probably do it, but we don't have many of those. Ah, uh, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. Oh yeah, I guess if the roads are, are really rough, then uh, once the wheels get small, they just fall apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good thing for uh, big wheels though, you know? Um, so I, I'm wondering about your progression as a racer. Mm. How, how, how have you felt in racing in particular to progress and and have i mean i imagine everything you do has some sort of impact to that like practicing at home versus going to a race but how how do you feel like it 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 affects the the competitiveness of it to be able to go and race and and actually have these experiences versus like just practicing at home or in other countries the only way to get better at racing is by racing it's it's really that simple like you can be a fast skater and you can become fast by just skating and there's so many like really really fast skaters that can't race racing is a completely different thing so unless like you have to be fast to race but if you can't race then you won't win if if that makes sense like 
um, being able to control a race heat is a skill that you can only really learn from controlling race heats. Um, so it's a completely different thing. Like, you know, qualifying and race day is like two, two completely different activities, which is why there's like argument to run like just qualifying time trial events and then like have races separate. But I don't know. I think we should keep them together because, you know, you should be good at both. But yeah, like the best way to get better at racing is by getting experience. And that's what I tell anybody who, you know, asks me like, how do I get better at race? Man, go to races. Race. Go race. Yeah. <laughs> race as much as you can. Race your friends at home. Have, host outlaws. You know, go to your, you know, local race. Like if you've got a look, if you have a local race, you know, go to that chain smoker, you know, do practice heats of your friends. You know, like, oh, I'll race you to the bottom. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So learning how to skate in front of people, learning how to, you know, skate behind people, learning how to pass people, learning how to not pass people. You know, I mean, there's like, there's all these things that you have to be good at. And unless you have like a really structured sort of like training program, which no one does, you know what I mean? Like, then you have to just have to go race. Fair. I mean, it, and that's really difficult, man, because like, yeah, I can easily say, yeah, just go race, man. But like, you know, it's taking time off your job. It's saving cash to fly to the race. It's your registration fee. It's your wheels. So it's probably a little bit more difficult nowadays than it was back then because um, just things are more expensive now, especially the wheels. Um, but yeah, outlaws, man, host one. If you if there is none, host one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. people always turn up. People absolutely will. There's there's been a lot of just like home hosted outlaws. Here, yeah, hundred percent. I've done them myself like and, and everyone always has a really good time oh, it doesn't take that much as long as you pick the right spot and try and keep it as safe as you can yeah host an outlaw host events it's the way truly that's 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 very true I, I kind of figured that would be your answer but I'm always curious to hear um, yeah no worries always curious to hear you know um do, do you have a favorite track to race on no <sighs> I have so many favorite tracks. It re- it really depends, but there's there's a couple like Bathurst in Australia, Newton's Nation is just the perfect event. You know what I mean? Because like there's no like you go up the backside of the track to shuttle, so like there's never ending runs. The pavement is perfect. Like you've got racetrack walls. Like you feel like you're you know. At an actual race, <laughs> you feel like a V8 supercar flying down the corners and stuff. That's probably my favorite event, but I like a bit of the more sliding. So, I mean, things like Vulcan, really, really fun. Vulcan I, is crazy. Yeah, Vulcan's sick. Um, it's probably the gnarliest racetrack on the circuit right now. Um, so, I think that's probably a safe answer. I'd say Vulcan was probably probably the best track. Um, but I mean, there's no shortage of good tracks. Of course. So, but yeah, I said Newton's for the event, but Vulcan for the actual road. Cool. Vul- Vulcan's insane. Do you think you could explain kind of, kind of like how fast you go and then what it's like for people that don't know maybe? Well, you go close to 120 kilometers an hour twice in two minutes. It's extremely violent when you're doing it for the first time. You just kind of like skate through the top corner and then you just see the road disappear and you're like, oh, <laughs> and you just blast down this mega straight. Some homie's standing there with a speed gun um, trying to clock your top speed and then you come over the rise 
and then it drops away again and you just have to like almost come to a stop going around the first right so you slide left slide right fly around the right grip the left dump it for the right again grip the next left king slide right corner and then you start like pushing across the flat and that's where they have like the short track finish line so when it rains they run short track and that comes out of this right but in a dry race you actually have to push through the flat section and then it just like disappears again and you're just flying down the straight going close to like 120 again to like a last chicane that's terrifyingly bumpy and and there's the finish line and it's just and you get to the bottom and you're like Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it that sounds yeah. extremely intense no it's good and then you get to cool off like there's a gondola that runs so you don't have to like you know get a bus back up you just get in the gondola and you go watch other people skate and it's a cool view it's, yeah it's really great so, so <laughs> you're, you're in like a final seat at, at let's say Vulcan what, what's going through your head when you're about to drop in? Like you're you're gonna skate in a pack. You're gonna be going over a hundred kilometers an hour. Yeah. Like what's what's in your head? How does it feel to like get to the bottom of that? I mean, you like you at, at that level. If you're if you're in finals, you're not really thinking about, oh, this is scary. Yeah. Anymore, you know, because you you just it's just another day. You've already done it you've a bunch of times to get there. Times. Yeah, exactly. Like you've already won a lot of heats. Obviously, if you're in finals. Um. So you're mainly just thinking about how the heat's going to play out, what specific tactics you want to employ, if you want to push first, if you want to push last, what happens if you don't push first, what happens if you end up behind, you know, are you going to pass here, are you going to pass there, are you going to wait, are you going to attack? Um, so it's mainly just tactics and trying to keep it cool. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so before the race starts do you have like a full visualization of how it's going to go like a prediction for where each person's going to be where you're going to pass them how you're going to speed up accelerate decelerate you got like i definitely that. think about it yeah a lot you got you got like the whole mental map before the race starts yeah but you also want to have contingencies as well because if you only think about it one way and then it doesn't go that way and then you're like trying to make it up on the fly like that doesn't only go so well so yeah, you're, you're just trying good. to try and map out all likely situations and scenarios and have like a plan for everything but a lot of the time you just make it up as you go along so yeah i'd imagine it's very variable because because people aren't very consistent no i mean i mean when you get to finals when you get to finals people are pretty consistent and you kind of know what's about to happen but sometimes you get the like some wild characters and unpredictable people especially if you're not racing two-man heats you're racing four-man heats and if you're racing six-man heats forget about it mate you have no idea what's going to happen it's crazy yeah is, is that standard in, in some races? Six man final heats? Mary Hill's six men, yeah. Well, that, that sounds very hectic. Yeah, it's a lot of passing, a lot of drafting. It makes really good racing, actually. I think we should employ six man heats in a bit more races than we do. Okay. Yeah, it's Pet- cool. Petition for more six man races. It's just like which track can you allow six man racing? That's mainly the limiting factor there. Like Vulcan only allows two because it's so gnarly. Yeah, I'd imagine you don't want people bailing going that fast, right? Right. Or as little as possible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That it, it, it sounds 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 like a wild experience. I mean, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's it's really really fun. Oh yeah, it's 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 crazy. I feel like most people don't have that as their idea of fun. 
Yeah, well, most people don't like to go down on pieces of wood at 120 kilometers now. Exactly. It, it's just like we built up to this. Now people always like say, "Oh, you guys are crazy," and but they don't realize I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. You know, if you've been doing anything for 10 years, you're pretty used to it. You know, it's totally. just, just another day. Another another day at the races. Exactly, another day at the races. <laughs> it's it's all good. Yeah. Do Do you have any um memorable losses that that taught you an important lesson? Is there anything that every loss is a lesson, my friend? Always. Every loss is a lesson. I mean. I'll speak about Mary Hill, which was like two two weeks, no, one week ago. Yeah. I mean, every single time, like every single time, even if you do win, you still learn stuff. So it's always important to extract the lesson out of, you know, the experience because you can always learn something. Like even at Mary Hill last weekend, I didn't win. I really wanted to, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And it's like, what did I take away from that? Okay, well... If you want to win, sometimes you have to mix up your game plan. You know what I mean? You don't want to become predictable because then people start playing off your predictability. Stuff like that. Like Tepe. Maybe you should have walked the track. You know? <laughs> we got two practice runs. Not a clue where I was going. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, but when you've been doing it for a long, so long, and especially racing for so long. I've been racing since 2014. So long, long, long time now. Um, yeah, you just you build up all, all these little lessons. Eventually, build up to you know your main goal, whatever that would be. Um, but yeah, a lot of losing on the way there. A lot of like I didn't get good until twenty, like the end of twenty eighteen. I said I was, I think I was pretty good. But that's a lot of like sucking. Yeah, to get to that level. Um, but I was always having fun, so it didn't really matter to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not like you're just going to show up to your first race and win. Well, it depends. Some people might. That's true. Some, some you know, freaks might. But those people have also been skating for a long time. It's rare that you get someone who's never skated before, jumps on a board, does well. Yeah. That doesn't really happen. Like, you have to put in a little bit of time. Absolutely. To get good. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at Scott Manor. This was Scott Manor's first race. Really? It, was, it was Sam's first race. Yeah, Sam yeah. did pretty well. Did really well. You know what I mean? Because he'd, he'd been skating before, but then the difference, like I was saying earlier, between being really good, like Sam and Scott Manor, like really, really, really good skaters. But it's their first race. Like they learn it. Absolutely. <laughs> they be learning. Um, so yeah, with a bit more experience under the belts, man, those boys are going to go hard. I, I believe it. I, 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 I see a, a cool future in, in there. Are, are there any people you have your eyes on as like kind of the future of skateboarding? Rydell Abarico. Yeah. Is the future of downhill skateboarding. This girl is from the Philippines and she's so good. She's so, so good. I think she's probably, you know, like top three female riders in the world right now. Obviously the prosecutor is number one because she's been so dominant for so long, but I don't know. It's like Rydell's a breath of fresh air. Like, she's young. She's super fun. She's incredibly famous in the Philippines. Yeah? Yeah, she's popping off in the Philippines. Oh, hell yeah. Um, she's got, like, this new free ride game that you, like, are seeing with a lot of people who are coming into the sport now where it's, like, shorter truck, shorter wheelbase, big wheel, stand-up slide. And it's dope. Um, yeah, I've never really seen a girl free ride like her. Or anybody really free like her for that matter. She's just on one, like skating concrete. 
there's no asphalt down where she lives in the Philippines. So she's skating concrete. She's doing stand-up toes in the wet on Magnum. And it's just like, it's a lot, you know? Um, so I'm super juiced on Rydell. She's probably one of my favorite skaters at the moment. So I'm, I'm really happy and I'm really looking forward to see what she does. I think she's like 20 now. So she's got like... Young gun. Young gun. She's got heaps of time. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she's, she's my pick for, you know, future world champ. Hell so yeah. I'm excited to see it. That's, that's so cool. Um, I, I, I saw you were like helping the Philippines team train, right? Yeah. So I coached the, um, the Philippines national team at the Southeast Asian games because Philippines was the host nation. They got to like elect sports to, um, to win medals essentially. So like the government's like, wait, what, what sports are we good at? And the Philippines, you know, skate roller sports commission was like, we're really good at downhill skateboarding and street park skateboarding. And they're like, all right, chuck it in the games, no worries. Yeah, it was sick. So they ran a downhill race at the Southeast Asian Games, which is like the step below like Olympics. It's like on, like on the same level as like the Commonwealth Games and stuff like that. So it's an IOC event. Um, so yeah, we got to rock up at the Southeast Asian Games. They employed me and my mate Jev to um, help coach the team. So we did like, I think ooh, 90 days. No, maybe a little bit less. Um, training camp. Cool. Yeah. What? Yeah. What What does a training camp for downhill skateboarders look like? Are you guys doing PT? Are you Are you doing balancing? So are you practicing? Like, so what, what we did. We stayed in this resort where we were the only people in the resort. No way. Yeah. 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 So we'd wake up six o'clock every day, up to the roof, train. So it'd be like a. We only had one month, right? and minimal equipment so the, the strength and conditioning was minimal mainly coordination based uh so a little, bit, a little bit of agility to warm up some balance and coordination minor strength and conditioning mainly just sweating <laughs> a lot of sweating a bit of yoga in there and then a lot of skating so because we were getting it was like training for the Southeast Asian Games. We got hooked up from the government to host some training sessions on the hill. So like I think it was every Wednesday and Thursday, we had the racetrack closed from 12 till 6. They really wanted to win. They really wanted to win. Um, and it was, just, it was just awesome. Like everyone was behind us, all the locals, all the like cops and stuff. Like they were super supportive. We had the TV news crews come out and like cover cover our training sessions um so we did wednesday and thursday every week for like four weeks five weeks or something like that um so invaluable track time and then we did like a simulation event where we ran five days at the hill like we were practicing for an aerial event we had a mock race we had people fly in to act as competition it was sick man it That's was so cool. Yeah, we set up the official timing system. We ran uh, timed qualifying. Um, I broke the track record on that day. It was sick. Um, and yeah, and then we it was just like a proper... It's everything I really wanted this to be, like the sport to be. Like I want it to get to that level where it's, you know, legit. Like these guys are getting paid, you know. Um, the coaching staff is paid, you know. Like we're staying in resorts we're getting fed and it was just like it was really really cool a great experience um, yeah yeah 
yeah, and I look forward to doing either the coaching side of that again for sure, or being an athlete in that sort of competition again because it was it was great. That's so cool. Um, I have another funny coaching question. Um, I'm I'm curious if you've noticed like major muscular imbalances from skateboarding in yourself Huge. and other people. Because like um, I've noticed at least in myself, I have a, a big um, difference in my back and my legs. Uh, just from pushing and the twisting. Mm-hmm. Is that something you see in the people you train and yourself? Absolutely everybody. I know, if, you, if you've been skating for a considerable amount of time, your body is fried. 100%. Like, I have, like, my spine is all twisted. Me too. From, like, tucking. You know what I mean? My hips are offset. So my front, like, the front, uh, my left, my left side of my pelvis is rotated forward. And my back right side is rotated back i'm just standing with my left foot forward and my right foot back and pushing all the time um so i do a lot of work in the gym to try and equal that out um like all i think all good racers should be these days if you're not in the gym trained for racing like good luck (laughs) um but yeah the the skating really takes a toll on your body but you know if you look after yourself then it's nothing that's i think is really concerning as long as you're aware of it then you'll probably be okay you know yeah but you're definitely right like you walk around i remember seeing people um walk around in shorts right and they've got like one skinny little calf (laughs) and one huge right calf and i'm just like oh yeah (laughs) i know which one your push leg is hey um but yeah i mean that's just part of the game man like i'm sure in most sports like you know, tennis players, they got one juiced arm and one just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. But um, I, I think it's so important because there are ultimately we're pretty symmetrical beings. Not perfectly symmetrical, but pretty symmetrical. So yeah. it's, it's good to yeah, have look after balance. yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, you, do you work with a, a, a trainer or a PT to keep yourself in shape or have you just been kind of figuring it out? Yeah, I have a coach. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I have a coach and we work on, you know, just all strength and conditioning pretty much. All the skating is up to me. Yeah, which is fine because, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, I know what I need to work on, but yeah, I've got a coach for strength and conditioning. So that's really helpful. Like I do coach other people in strength and conditioning, but it's always nicer when you have somebody who just does you for you because it's like I have to think about it a lot less. Like I know I could do it by myself and I have done it by myself and I have done it for other people. But just having like a coach who probably a bit more experienced than I am in strength and conditioning. Um, just like, you know, looking from the outside, looking in, it really, really helps. Um, so I, I find that it's really beneficial, especially for like the most, like the physical part of skateboarding, mm-hmm. which would be like your endurance, your tuck endurance, your ability to skate all day. You know, like you've got five rounds of racing, two runs of qualifying and two practice runs. Like we had a Tepe, like you need to be fit because that's a lot of skating. Um, and then, of course, your, your, the push start. Um, that's something that I work on a lot. Um, so, yeah, having a, having a trainer does help with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super important. But if you don't put the time in, you're not going to get anything out anyway. So, of you course. still have to do that. Oh. <laughs> Kat's getting a little... Um, Vo- vocal over there. Yeah, she's, she wants to join in. <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 really interesting. That's funny. I noticed the muscular imbalance first in Sam. I noticed he had a really big calf, and we were just kind of yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And I noticed it in myself. And I'm like, shit, I've done this to myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Push your two legs. And that's what I've been trying to alternate. do. Alternate. 
That's what I'm trying to do. But it's hard. It is. It's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. Truly. Um, <laughs> uh, more more on travel. Do Do you have any funny travel stories? Any like cursed cursed mishaps or 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 fun companions? Oh, too many items. Man, it's, it's it's just so many that it's hard to like pin down one. But I don't know. Like we've done. So, I've done so much fun and crazy stuff just because I majority of my traveling you know pre-covid I was still really young like I still am pretty young I'm 24 now but pre-covid you know I was like 21 19 years old all traveling around the world just like by myself or with some homies so if you get into some funny situations whether it's like walking around the favela in Brazil with your homie wearing like Hawaiian shirts and short shorts, carrying skateboards. Like our homies, like don't look at anybody. Don't say anything. Here are some Portuguese words just in case someone speaks to you. Yeah. We're just trying to find the best acai. Like there's nothing really hectic going on, but yeah, I mean, we've walked through a couple of favelas in Brazil and that was pretty funny. Also quite scary. Um, just getting lost all the time, you know, everywhere. Um, being a kid in the Philippines, just being able to run around by myself, you know, 16 years old, being able to drink all the beer that I want. I mean, yeah, rubbing shoulders with the pros, just like being a little kid. This is so many funny stories, like crashing motorbikes in the middle of nowhere, you know, being like, fuck, what are we going to do? I'll just leave the bike. No worries. Like a rented bike. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But it only costs you 25 bucks. Forget about it, mate. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've just been able to have, like, I have so much freedom, like, so young. So, like, we definitely got up to a lot of mischief. I'm, like, struggling to pin down one right now, but... That, that's all right. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of fun stuff that happens, and I don't know, maybe you just have to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's too mu- too many to pin down. I, I get that. Um, what, what did the process of getting sponsored look like? Did, did you reach out to companies? Did companies reach out to you? Like, how did that go down? Hmm... Well, it's funny you should ask because I actually chose to go the other way about it. I started my own company instead of getting sponsored because then I could just sponsor myself. Hell yeah. Galaxy brain. Um, so when I started first skating in 2011 um, and we kind of like discovered the crew and, you know, we will skate and skate and skate. And, and every time you wanted to buy more gear, you would have to order it online. And what a lot of people who don't live in the United States or North America for that matter, don't they don't understand is that you actually have to pay shipping in a lot of places. Like here, it's sick. You get free shipping everywhere. You know what I mean? Flat rate, see you there tomorrow. If you live in Australia, if you live in Hong Kong, you're paying just as much for the product as you are for shipping. Really? Yeah. So if I want to buy a set of wheels and a footstop, you know, back then, $70, shipping's 90 bucks. What? So it's like, fuck, man, like, I need to save up twice as much money as for the product that I want to actually get it here. So I started my own company where we would make boards because I lived, you know, an hour away from the factories that are making all these boards in China. Um, so me and my dad went over. Oh, we actually made a couple of boards. Um, my dad's a, like, design teacher at a high school in Hong Kong, like design, woodwork, shit like that. Okay. Um, so my board got run over by a bus 
and I was spewing. I was so upset. Your your birthday board? Yeah, my birthday board got run over by a bus, and I was so so spewing. Um, so my dad's like, "No worries, we'll make another one." So we went out, we made like a mold, made a board, and it looked good. And I was like, "Hell yeah, this is sick!" It was dumb flexy because we used the wrong wood, but you know we live and learn. And then we had the idea of like coming up with a company. So we're like, "All right, we take a couple samples. We go over. We hit up a factory in China." And um, we started getting these boards made. And then they started rocking up at our door. Like the minimum order was like 150. Oh, wow. So these boards rocked up at my house. And my mom is just like, what the hell is going on? And me and my dad are like, yo, <laughs> we're on. And so we stacked all these boards in like a downstairs bathroom that didn't get used. And it was just like, you'd open the door and it was just boxes. Um. So yeah, we had this company, we, we sold completes, we sold um, trucks, we made our own wheels, but we'd also, the mil- most importantly, we'd import, we'd import uh, quality wheels. And, you know, eventually that turned when the business wasn't going so good or like we couldn't like, keep up with like the product, whatnot, we started, we became a distribution company. So we had all these distribution deals because we were importing wheels and then we we're like, oh, we could import boards, we could import trucks. And then we would sell to everyone at fair right, fair rates. So no one's paying shipping. They're just paying the standard 60 bucks for ABEC 11s. Yeah. Yeah. And people were stoked on it. So we just ran distro for, we ran distro for ABEC 11. We did some OTANG. More, more importantly for me, we did full circle. So Venom, Ronin, Rogue, Madrid, Valhalla, Cadillac, um, and so, yeah, we were selling to shops in Hong Kong and, um, yeah, just importing all this stuff for all the homies so they would save heaps of money on shipping. And that is what led me to getting sponsored, I'm pretty sure. Like, I was getting... I met Rolo in 2014 and he would put boards in, like, uh, the orders that we made for shops just in there for me. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but he did. Thanks, Rolo. Shout out. Um so I was getting boards for a while, um, but I got sponsored by Otang in 2014 because I met Patrick Switzer when I was very, very young in the Philippines in 2013. My first ever race Patrick Switzer was at, and it was like, he was world champion at the time, so it was like, <gasps> I remember the first time I ever saw him, like, I was standing with my back to him and my homie was sitting, standing in front of me and he's like, uh-huh. and I'm like, what? He's like, he's right there. And I look back and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full grump froth. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny, yes. Um, but I've known Patrick for a really, really long time and he's seen me come up. Um, and I think racing in Europe in 2014, he was like feeding me kegels. He was t- giving me his one runs and I was doing pretty well. And then that, after Eurotour, um, I think he had a chat to somebody at Otang. And was like, oh, like, you know, this is a kid. Like, maybe throw him a couple of wheels here and there. And I started working on a deal with Otang and eventually ended up riding for them. So that's how I first got him. Like, you know, I just knew the world champion. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was my trick to getting sponsors. But then also um, running the full circle distribution, set up that contact um, and I think eventually what ended, you know, me going to 
Madrid in the end because I was always getting feeder boards and I was addicted to that um, trap star shape with the wedge. Um, I really liked that and that's the only board I wanted to ride. So that's how I think I ended up at Madrid and eventually I, I dropped Otang and came back to Venom um, and Rogue and I've just been on full circle gear ever since pretty much. Cool. Were you, were you riding the original like 30, 39 inch trap star? Yes. The, the big boy? The big one. Yeah. Yeah. So I rode that forever. I rode that from like 2015 until, until I got my own pro model. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, I started chopping the tail off. Because it was too long. Yeah, it was too long. And I was just re-drilling it in 2018. Um, And then in 2018, I made it, like I made it over to the US for the first time. And... Dube is like, I, you want to ride for Madrid? I'm like, absolutely. And I went to LA and I was like full, like frothing in the, in the full, full circle factory in LA. And Dube was like, like, oh, do you want to like make a custom? I'm like, oh yeah, I could do that. So we went in the back and he like drew up these shapes for me. And I was like, he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> so um, we just drew up these shapes and, you know, I try to be like, I was inspired by um, a couple of my old favorite boards. So like the Vukenhausen was one of my first boards. The Arbor Vukenhausen, James Kelly, Jimmy Raya, actual pro model. Um, the Voodoo Doll, Comet Voodoo Doll. I think that's where the nose of my board comes from. It's the nose of a Voodoo Doll and then it kind of like goes from there. Um, and yeah, he just cut me out these boards and then he was like, here you go, man. And I haven't ridden anything different since. Nice. Yeah, it's sick man so that must be surreal to have your own skateboard it's crazy it's absolutely nuts um yeah i'm just like forever thankful that i got to this place and and now like i got a, a board with my name on it i got a wheels with my name on it. i have gloves with my name it's like it's bonkers man it's pretty bonkers. it's absolutely bonkers and you know i didn't just get here by myself on my own you know like i had a lot of help from everybody like people like patrick people like alex from madrid people like rollo like just being like come on come like let's go let's go and like hustling and my own self-drive within my like my community like i was telling you earlier like we could do it like we could be the next generation um but it's definitely right place right time yeah for sure i mean you had to have met switzer and you had to have made those connections yeah like you need to be out there totally i think nowadays it's probably a little bit easier because of social media like i i've sponsored people from madrid that i've never met before just because i know they shred because i've seen it on their on their on their socials i'm like yep you're the guy bang you want to ride for us yep done wow it. yeah it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> like i don't think you could have really done that before unless you made like consistent like video parts for like your youtube channel and stuff maybe that's how people got sponsored but but not knowing somebody ever and just being like oh yeah i've seen like a five second clip <laughs> done you know what i mean signed signed truly yeah so for for madrid are you the, are you the team manager is that's what yeah, you, is that what yeah, you're yeah. up to so i'm doing i'm doing tm for madrid at the moment and, and that's been pretty fun like I've been given a lot of freedom, so like I'm really fortunate. You know, to, I'm really thankful to Madrid for that. Like they've been, you know, they've given me this whole thing. Like here you go, work it out. You know what I mean? So it's been awesome. I've been able to pick my own team and kind of like you know design some boards based around my team and 
had a lot of really valuable input from these guys and i think I've, i think we have one of the best teams ever you know it's very young there's not a lot of like i mean there is like still people who were signed from before but like of the new people it's a pretty young team it's a pretty fresh team and it's very very exciting like, there's a lot of really 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 good writers pretty much i just put all my favorite writers on one team so yeah um it's a dream come true for me it's, it sounds pretty awesome what do you have what what are your responsibilities as team manager do you have to like pick people wrangle stuff like what, what are you doing it's anything and everything so far in in my experience it's just like get it done you know just the main thing was picking a team it was like the the first main responsibility because obviously you have the veterans you have what the rollo um you know the zach the cambrick like people who have been there for years like cambrick's been riding for madrid almost as long as i've been skating <laughs> do you yeah. know what i mean like so that sort of history like i have nothing to do with it's it's mainly like the next generation of people who are like i've been in the full circle family for like four years now officially um so it's mainly just guiding people through the avenues of full circle for the first time until they're like me you know and then we all just do our thing you know sell skateboards make skateboards ride skateboards hell yeah do do you do anything else for work or are you fully a, a, a downhill skateboarder at this point um i'm kind of fully a downhill skateboarder at this point man which is pretty sick but that's crazy but i do definitely do work here and there just to like make a bit of cash on the side for sure but i don't have like a solid you know you know i'm on a contract with you know healthcare and benefits and shit like that no I don't, I don't have anything like that um so it's mainly just hustling so yeah like i work here and there sometimes i work in a beer factory which is pretty sick sometimes sometime, yeah brewing full like ginger beer and all sorts of yummy stuff um out where i live in sydney sometimes i'm like throwing mountain bikes out of containers but mainly just skateboarding do you mountain bike Hmm? do you remember no oh. no nothing just like i work in like an i live in like an industrial area in sydney so sometimes i do a little bit of work here and there but yeah mainly just rolling cool or are, are, are you a student or, or were you no no got out of high school and no like my both my parents are high school teachers and no i'm not a student anymore um i think eventually i will go yeah. but i think there's a, there's a lot of pressure man especially where where I grew up, where it's like school was a big thing. Oh, totally. For people, like, you know, the whole like tiger mom thing in Hong Kong is huge. Um, so I think a lot of my friends, unfortunately, get like forced to go to university. You know, like it's just the logical progression. Like you get A's and everything, and then you go off and you become a doctor, <laughs> or you go off and you become an accountant or a lawyer. And, and that's expected. And if you don't do it, it's a, it's a yeah, you're a disgrace. And um, fortunately, my parents are not like that. They're like, you do you do what makes you happy um and yeah so that's been super super sick for me but i think it was more for me it was more about like not wasting the money on going to do something for the sake of it yeah 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 i don't know what i want to do all i want to do is skate Skate. you've done it yeah (laughs) skate and travel um but i think if i ever find something where i'm like okay like i can see the path now then I'll definitely go and study. If it's if it's something that I love, then I'll do it. But until then, I shall be doing this, nice. which I love. Well, yeah, you've kind of found that for yourself in a way. Yeah. Um, 
is there anything you have in mind like oh i'd love to study this or are you still just waiting for that well i have a i have a diploma in, in sports and exercise science okay yeah um because because of a kind of like weird um tertiary system that i did at a, at a high school where i didn't for the last two years of school i didn't do anything subject wise except for sport huh which is you know pretty foreign in this part of the world they don't really do that um it's like a uk system so i did like two years of just everything about sport no math no english no science no nothing very cool yeah it was sick um so i kind of have like the beginnings of like a sort of uni degree but it's like it's like i did the first year of doing university but in high school um so i got a bit of a background in that um so if i was going to study anything it would make sense that i did something to do with that because it also is what interests me yeah 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 i love sport sport is so cool sport's sick um you know the playing the coaching the the science side um i love all that sort of stuff but maybe i'll be doing something completely different maybe i'll doing event organization yeah who knows you could throw some crazy events become an even more core part of the community that is something that i think i will move on to yeah eventually i don't know it's really hard to say like i i look to people like kevin i look to people like rollo those two guys are probably like the two best event organizers in downhill skateboarding right now like those guys kill it like devil's peak oh my god if you ever were fortunate enough to go out to devil's peak and maybe if you're watching this if you've been to devil's peak you know like that event was amazing it was never sanctioned by any like you know global racing body or anything it was just rollo his five like five rules mainly i don't want to fucking hear it um and, <laughs> and no rain wheels um those are the rules those i think those are actually the only two rules I and mean, maybe there's a couple more but um the relevant ones yeah and he just fucking ran the best event ever and like fuck it's really not that hard eh? but i don't know i have to try it like I, I definitely want to run an event one day truly yeah it's funny i i, I ended up going to school for kinesiology like exercise science okay stuff. there you go so you uh, like yeah same as me yeah yeah exactly and, and now i'm like i don't know if i want to be an exercise scientist so no, I'm, not really yeah. it doesn't really sound that great I know, but um, it was interesting because I was the same position as you. I just really liked doing sports. And I'm like, yeah, hey. yeah. All right, this is this is the school. Um, all right. So, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about racing. Um, so I'm I'm curious, what you think makes a good racer? Like, how much of it is mental? How much of it is physical? How much of it is gear? Okay, let's start with gear. Gear. You need to have it like you need to have the best shit racing freshies is sick like you gotta have them like i don't know what to tell you you know talk to your local wheel manufacturer like make sure you have freshies like you don't necessarily need them but having them is you know priceless like you it's just a different game um unfortunately like it's not easy because they're really expensive um but yeah having having the gear is is really important but once you get to the top level everyone's kind of got it so it's it's not really so much of a problem on like the elite level but coming up if you've got freshies and someone else doesn't you're probably gonna win yeah um but yeah like like i said once you get to the top level like finals semi-finals everyone's got freshies so it's not really important um but 
definitely there needs to be a baseline there. Um, in terms of like truck widths and slalom boards, it's like whatever you feel comfortable on, or whatever you're fast on. You don't have to run a 19-inch wheelbase with 106 millimeter trucks and magnums. You know, it's not necessary. Like people are still riding biggish sort of setups, but it seems to be that the smaller, more maneuverable boards and maneuverable trucks, bigger wheels seem to be the way. Um, so there's there's a pretty standard sort of setup that you see on a race course these days. It's like 30 to 30 inches long deck, trucks from 100 to 130 mil, and magnums. If you're not riding magnums, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're blowing it. Um, Aerolids, huge. This Does video, that make a big difference? If you think it does, then yes. Valid. Right? If you think that it makes a difference, you will go faster. I think the thing with the Aerolid is mainly minimizing the draft rather than making you go faster oh that's so interesting yeah i think that that's the main i'd say that's probably the biggest benefit out of that um but it only really matters the faster you go so anything aerodynamics wise in in my limited understanding is amplified the faster you go so at a low speed it probably doesn't do shit but if you go in 100 then you'll start to find differences um so that's gear Mental, it's all mental. Like if you're on one, you're on one. You're going to do well. But if you're like a little shaken, then you're going to you're gonna struggle with results. So the, the easiest thing to do is to win races after you've already won one. Getting your first win is so hard. It's so, so difficult. And I really noticed this in 2019. Once I got my first win at Seaside, which was the third event, it was like, you're on now. Like, I will never be satisfied with anything else except for winning. Was that, that was kind of like the, 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 the first little taste. Yeah, it's like you taste it and now that's all I want. So it's much easier to win a second time than it is to win a first time, if that makes sense. So it's just making sure, putting yourself in the absolute best position you can to get your first win and then everything else after that just feels right. Yeah. Because you know, your first win's sick. It's surreal. You're absolutely juiced. But your second win is just like, absolutely. That's exactly what I expected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's like a huge side of the game, like being mentally prepared, like feeling good, feeling on one, and, and, and like showing up to win is a lot different to, you know, just showing up to do well. Um, so that's like the main mental side of it. And then and the physical... You don't have to be super physically fit to do this, which is kind of cool. Um, but it mainly goes back to what I was, I, was, I was speaking about earlier with just like having the endurance. So if you skate a lot, it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you if you have longer runs, probably going to be a bit more beneficial. Um, but if your body is in a good shape, then your everything will be amplified. So, you know, like a lot of things that we don't talk about is that if having a trained body means you can crash. You know, like I had a really big accident in ja- in January where I, I, I crashed going really, really fast and I hit like a concrete box going really, really fast and, and I separated my shoulder. But I go to the gym five times a week. You know what I mean? So like my body's good. Like my joints are healthy. Everything's fine. And like, and I think about if I wasn't, if I was like drinking every day, waking up, smoking blunts, 
shit like that. It, my body was like, you know, weak and I hit that box. I could have been way worse off. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you know what I mean? So that's a little bit of like, you know, the physical side that no one really talks about. And I know street skating, like those park guys, those people who are doing comps, all their training is injury prevention. Absolutely. Because they're falling down sets of stairs almost every time they, you know, go up to them because of like the hit miss ratio. Um, so a lot of a lot of the training that we should be doing in downhill is is injury prevention. It's like preparing your body for a crash because you know you got to eat shit to know shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, on on the subject of injuries, what what injuries have you sustained over the years? I'd imagine quite a few, but if there's any like notable ones, um, I hit a concrete wall on Chinese New Year in like 2016, um, and I broke my ribs and punctured my lung. Oh my god! Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. I didn't go to the hospital straight away, and like I rocked up, and then like, I showed them what happened. They gave me an X-ray and rushed me into my own like room, where they like, because I was like gonna die because air was seeping out of my lungs. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so if I, if I've learned anything from downhill skateboarding is that when you crash, if you're like hurt, go to the hospital if you can. Just just go. You know, if if you live in a country like Australia or, or like Canada, or any like first world country where you can just go to a hospital, sorry America, you're, so sorry, you're, you're second world, mate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but if you live in anywhere where you can, like you have access to go to a hospital, man, just go. You know what I mean? It's gonna cost, like maybe you'll be waiting there for six hours. It's nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? In, in like the long, in like the big scheme of things, like just go to the hospital because you you never know. Like, like Teresa, for example, like one of our homies from back home, who actually is from San Diego, she crashed on the weekend at Tepe, and she was like walking around all injured, like oh I think my ribs hurt, like you know I, maybe I should go get them checked out. Waited a couple of days, three days later she's got, she comes back and she's got a broken scapula. Oh my god! Do you know what I mean? Like. Just go to the hospital, man. Like, if you can, please just go because you never know. Like, skaters traditionally are pretty hard people. You know, like, oh, yeah, she'll be right. I could, you know, I can get down the run. I can keep going. Shit like that. I can walk off a yeah, broken you walk shoulder it, blade. You can walk it off. Like, nah, man, if you can, go. I mean, if you live in America, get health insurance, mate, please. It's just the way. Like, what we do is so dangerous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I did that. I did my ribs. I did my shoulder in January. Um, I've broken a couple of fingers. Fingers? Yeah. Yeah, I've broken a couple of fingers. Like this one. Excuse <laughs> oh, <laughs> the root finger, but look at it. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, no, just like a lot of weird things like feet, you know, shit like that. But nothing like too major except for like, you know, the two big ones where I was in hospital. But yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Do you know how many bones you've broken? Have you kept kept a tally? No, I definitely haven't get a tappy, but it's definitely more than five. Damn. Yeah. That's that's a lot of bones broken. I mean, this is a small ass bone. That's true. But I still count it. <laughs> it, is, it is a bone though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been in the game for ten plus years now, so I mean, yeah, like I said, you gotta eat shit to no shit. You gotta eat shit to no shit. Um, how how does an injury like forcing you to take time away from skating or just like time away from being active in general affect your mental health? It can get pretty gnarly, especially if you don't crash in the off season. So for people who don't know, the off season uh, normally winter in Northern Hemisphere, 
Um, so while you guys all hibernated inside, we're all, you know, lounging in the sun in Australia. But um, during the off, like if you get injured in the off season, yeah, no worries. It's all good because no one's skating. But if you get injured mid-season and then like you're there at home while you're watching everybody rage around the world, you know, go to races, hanging out with the boys, that's hard. Um, but I always look at getting injured as an opportunity and you have to because otherwise you go insane. So I did my shoulder in January right before everything was about to kick off and I was like, fuck, I'm going to be bummed because I thought I was going to need surgery and surgery was going to put me out for six months. Damn. So I wouldn't be here if I, if I needed to get surgery um, because my collarbone's completely separated. From, like My collarbone, like here, it's like floating. Yeah, that's, that's my collarbone there. See it moving up and down? Yeah, it's gnarly. I'll show you later. Um, so they were going to have to reattach it. And I was just like, bro, that's my year toasted. I'm spewing. Um, but luckily I'm okay. I didn't need surgery. Um, even though it still looks pretty gnarly, but people who do like ACLs have knee reconstructions or people like a big thing in our sport is shoulders. Um, yeah, that, that can be gnarly and you just got to look at it as an opportunity to get better because with every injury, there's always rehabilitation afterwards. Um, whether that's like doing it on your own or working with PT, like the early stages are pretty hard, but then eventually at some point you end up in a gym, right? Doing strengthening conditioning. Mm -hmm. And that is such a good opportunity because you're not really skating so much, but you really want to. So you're highly motivated and you can get yourself in like real good physical condition with a bit of motivation to come back and skate. So I always view it as like, all right, time to grind time to go to the gym and, and make me better than I was before. Cause then you have the thirst to skate and you come back stronger. Most of the time, man, you come back better. Oh, I, I, I think that's the thing. So I always tell people that when they get injured, because obviously it's a big bummer. Yeah. You definitely. I mean? You're like, you're missing out on skating, which is the thing that most likely is like what keeps you going in life. It's like your thing. So, um, as long as you look at it as an opportunity, I think you'll be okay. But, yeah, there's definitely some dark days in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I can certainly relate to that. Being injured sucks being out of it, especially when it's something that you really like yeah. put importance well, on. Yeah, is, is and especially deal. when all your friends are out doing it and you're yeah. there at home all broken like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, I got to read my questions. I got... Nah, it's all good. We're slowly going down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God, we got to turn the page. Crazy. I was like, where, where is, where's the questions I have asked? Um. <laughs> right, I think I got um, a few more racing questions. Yeah, go for it. Amazing. Um, who who are you most spooked to race with? Is there is there spooked? Anyone? Spooked. I'm not really spooked about anybody, to be fair, because of my racing style. Like I don't have to really deal with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's always spooky to race against people who you don't know. Um, I think that'd be probably the most common answer that you get if you ask like a field of races. Like I'm not scared of anyone, you know. I think that's the most common answer you'll get. Yeah, I'm not scared of anyone, but the unknown is scary because there's some people who have pace, but no, you know, like no racecraft, and that can be dangerous. Um, just people who are too fast for their own good, or people who don't know how to skate but have a gun pushed that, so they're in the way. Or people who 
and this is what you get a lot, especially if you're pretty good, and especially if you're world champion. It's like you rock up to, not even in a race, just a session. Everyone's like, oh shit, world champ's here. Like, this is a great time to skate way above my limits. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, bro, what are you thinking? Um, so everyone wants to beat you. Everyone wants to show that they can hang. And that can lead to some pretty pretty gnarly like scenarios. Um, so yeah, I think it only really get hairy when you're racing with people that you don't know. But aside from that, I don't really get spooked by anybody. Like I know who's good, I know who's not. I know who I can beat, and I know who I'm gonna have to like pull some shit to try and beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Is there is there anyone you gotta pull shit to beat? Yeah, I've, like anybody who's in like the top string of races. Like trying to beat Chase Hiller is so hard. <laughs> I oh believe my it. God, I dude, believe it. it's so hard. Like you can get him for sure, and it and that's like. And it depends on the track. But racing Chase is, like, tough. Racing Broms is tough. You know, anybody who's anybody, like, it's all tough. And I'm I, I'm pretty sure they'd say the same thing about me. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's racing at a top level. Like, it's all, it's all difficult. But, I mean, just racing people like Chase who, like, can do anything anywhere. Like, you, like it's hard to take a man down who can just, like, be anywhere and do anything um yeah racing chago was really tough back in the day just because like he just didn't care what you did he had his own game plan um and he was always like super stoic on the line and it's like it's hard to get a read and obviously he was much more experienced than all of us at the time and he just didn't care what we thought so he was tough to race because he was just like miles ahead of us oh cats on the mic <laughs> um so he was definitely tough to race um but yeah honestly man i have a lot of tough times racing at home yeah like i have some good races out where i live so um outlaw racing can get pretty gnarly mm-hmm. um especially if the track's easy you know what i mean like like the easier the track the gnarlier the racing um but yeah this yeah it can get it can get pretty heated that's that's interesting, but I I, I kind of figured because everyone is is like it has has that possibility to win. It's like very close. It's like a game of milliseconds at that exactly. point. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some some tough competition out there, especially these days, which is really cool. Like we've come out of COVID, and there's like a whole new wave of like people who are skating now. So there's like a like a young group of people who are like 20 to 21 who have like got good over COVID. Like people like Sam. Yeah, like Sam, Sam's generation, which is really sick to see. Like I was, we were really struggling for, for new blood there for a second in like 2018. It was like, oh shit, like is this gonna be it? But then these boys have come through and breathing new life into into racing, especially. So that's really sick to see. So um, I'm keen to see where they go in the future. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Um, do you, do you have any Olympic dreams? Of course. I mean, I'm I'm a sportsman, man. Like I wanna, <laughs> I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I mean, I trained for you know junior teams national teams like my whole life whether it was like rowing running track cross country biathlon triathlon you name it like rugby rugby sevens football like everything taekwondo like (laughs) you name it brother um i love the olympics i froth the olympics i always have um going there for skate for downhill skateboarding would be unreal um i don't think it's gonna happen no for me okay okay but you know you never know it might um 
I mean, it's it, only two years away, right? Oh, no. No, no. That's not happening. No? No, 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 no. So, the, like, the Olympics, like, they don't just decide on the year which sport to go in. Like, you know four years in advance mm-hmm. whether you're going or not. Um, so, the next Olympics is 2024 in Paris. So, that application happened in 2020. So, we missed that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 100%, man. Like, these things are, like, playing. So, right now, we're playing for 2028 and 2032. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this, it happened way in advance. So, the application needs to be made and then it needs to be signed off by the host country. The host country has to approve it. So, it's kind of like, if the host country is down and they have a venue, then maybe we can swing it. But now, we have to go through the IOC skateboarding, um, uh, which is World Skate, I believe, which is the IOC recognized, you know, skateboarding federation, if you will. Um, but we are starting to compete a bit more with World Skate. Um, with roller games and stuff like that, which is like a, a good stepping stone. So let's see where it goes. But um, we're definitely not going to the Olympics in 2024. So yeah, that's just how it's going to be. But the next two, I think, is where you'll see downhill. Cool. Because the locations are perfect. We have people in place. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. LA 2028 would be amazing. That would be insane. Yeah, it would be amazing to get there. Um, but if it doesn't happen in 2028, it will happen because the 2032 games are in Brisbane in Australia. And that's where the boys are. And we're going to make it happen. I promise. That's that's on you now. Yep. I, I love it. It's actually on Max Heaton, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you think it takes to make a world champion? Consistency. 100% consistency because there's people who win a race and then the next race they get knocked out in the first round you've got to be good everywhere and you need to be good for the whole year you've got to peak at the right time and then you've got to not let off the gas until the very very end and it's extremely stressful and tiring but you know this is what you wanted to do in your life so you know you best do it you best do it to the best of your ability um, yeah it's not coming out the gates too hot it's staying injury free um, and just knowing your way around. Like the cool thing in 2019 is that I'd done the 2018 World Tour. I almost hit every race. So in 2019, I knew exactly where I was going to be good, exactly where I was going to be bad. I skipped a lot of races because I knew that those points didn't matter. And I really focused on where I could do well. And um, yeah, we got it done. So I definitely had a lot of experience um, leading up to that. Like I knew a lot of the tracks. Anywhere that I'd won, I think I'd been before. So that helped. Yeah, I, I'd imagine the experience and the um, the just like knowledge of, of where the corners are, how to take it, all the lines, how people skate it is so yeah, important. Super, super important. Um, but yeah, the consistency thing is huge because that's what really it ends up with his points, right? It's getting the, the right amount of points. So I think every time I made finals in 2019, I either won or came second. So no thirds, no fourths. So that that's what you really want. So like trying to stay at the top of the podium as much as you can throughout the year, that's what's going to get you a world championship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's pretty much, it sounds easy. But <laughs> I don't think it it's really easy. not, especially if you've got like a big cohort of riders traveling around. Yeah. Um, then it's anyone's game. Like, I think it came down to a three-way race at the end of um, 
2019 and then it was a two horse race and then it went to me and Dana all the way to the very very end so yeah it was tight wow so yeah I guess I guess it would like to the last race it could have gone either way yep 100% and they, and they canceled the last race really yeah it was it was super gnarly because um, we were in Peru um, and we got there and the organization was just almost non-existent there was no bales on the roads the bales got stolen. It wasn't me. Um, <laughs> the bales got stolen. They got misplaced or something. The The rider turnout was like 15. You know what I mean? It was at the very end of the year. No inter- The only internationals were me and Dana. Because um, you both wanted the title. Yeah, because we both wanted to win the title. It came down to that race. Like I was still ahead, but if Dana won, then it was over. Yeah. Um, and then like... But the, you know, the course, like we, we, we had to run short track anyway. And the course is not long. So then they ran the short track. And then it was like, what happens if it rains? Like the, we don't even have enough bales to dry. If it rains, you're obviously going to be more crashing. So you need more bales. Um, and they were just plastic bags full of like old Coke cans. It was not good. That does not sound Because you're in a national park, you can't have hay because of like, ruins the ecosystem and stuff like that it's just like huh. a, yeah it's just like a requirement for most national parks they, they don't allow like you know extrinsic sort of like um plants and you know hay i guess into the national park so they, we weren't allowed hay so they used like big bin bags full of like old recycled bottles and stuff whoa which kind of works but not as good it really didn't um so the sanctioning ended up getting pulled on the day of the race on the first, like the first day of the race, because um, we missed practice day, and then went straight on because it's three days, so it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we rock up on Saturday after getting cancelled on Friday, and it, everyone's just like, we can't do this. Like we ran like two runs, and then the officials are like, nah, nah. this can't happen, um, unfortunately. So the sanctioning got pulled, and then I ended up being world champion. That's crazy. And the first thing we did, it was me and Dana went over to the Shaman and we took San Pedro. That was the world champion that, day? That was the world champion day. <laughs> so me and Dana, after like a crazy title fight all year, both go over to the to the Shaman and she's like mixing the mixing the drink, you know, and you have to do it all in sevens. In sevens? Yeah. So, you know, you, you drink the drink, you chew the coca leaf, and then you smoke the tobacco. Huh. And you and then it gets passed around and you do it in seven. And my type of seventh kind of around, you're like, no more. Please. <laughs> please no more. And then me and Dana just had like a crazy day in this random Peruvian town, just like off our heads. It was it was really something, man. Um it was quite like a emotional day, if you will, for the both of us. Obviously, him having his title chances like torn from his hand, and like me, all the pressure that had built up, just like you know, if I don't win this race, it's over. Yeah, I guess it's the same for him too. But like, I already had one hand on it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it was like, fuck, what a like stress relief that was. Um, and yeah, and that that was a crazy day, and just like really being in it for like that whole time and. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, but I was just like so drained because I was like there pretty much by myself. Um, 
yeah i was like quite lonely at the time and i was just like bro get me out of here so the day after like that night we woke up oh no that 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 morning after actually the race supposed race um on sunday we just got up booked it straight back to the airport i got on a plane and i just flew home wow i was just like over it i was like that's probably the most burnt out i've ever been i flew straight back to la morgan owens the absolute legend picked me up at the airport took me around for a day and just like sent me on my way home had a layover ciao back to australia get back to the boys and just like decompress and it was it was great i had a yeah big big year and i was just like so ready to go home though. <laughs> that, that must be a, a a wild way to end a whole season yeah it was kind of like anticlimactic in a way um i wish it would have ended at maryhill yeah which was the the the, the event before that because it was there was more people there there was like it was a bit more of like a warmer environment you know temperature wise as well um and then when we had a nice party and we could have all ridden off into the sunset, but you know, unfortunately we had to go through that whole Peru fiasco, but I don't, know, I don't think I would have changed it. Yeah. I mean, you know, even if you, it was an experience. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty shitty way to end, but I would have liked to have ended, you know, cross the finish line, world champions, like, ah! but, um, <laughs> it ended up on being an official decision. Um, I'm not going to let that take anything away from me. You know? Of course. I own that shit. So absolutely. Yeah. It's mine. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> have you let the title get to your head at all? Oh, for sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm a <laughs> champ. Hell yeah. Like I've been running with it for a long time now. Like it normally only lasts a year. Yeah. Right. But then there was COVID, right? Yeah. So technically I'm still a champ and the way looking at the scene, and how the races are going to formulate themselves. I will continue to be the champ for a long time. Um, I don't think we're going to see a World Cup format like we have had seen from like 2012 to... No, even earlier, like 2010 to 2019. I don't think we'll see that again for a long time. Until we get like all the travel restrictions and event organizers back. And um, So in, in, in that regard yeah 100% you let it get to your head like you got to stay humble in a way and like and I and I and I, and I, I like to think that I do but I definitely it definitely gets to your head like because it's it's even it's a level above winning your first race it's it's not just I want to come here and win I want to come here and win every single time yeah do you know what I mean and everybody looks at you as the champ so he's like all right he's gonna win <laughs> but it's not quite like that man like I didn't blow the whole field away in 2019. It was really, really close. Yeah. It was really, really close. So, I mean, I'm not like this dominant figure in downhill skateboarding as much as I'd like to be, you know, um, but I'm definitely not going anywhere and I definitely haven't peaked yet. You know, there's a lot more to come. So I'm very excited for some more racing. I mean, the whole reason for my trip, this this trip that i'm on now to come to these two races because i thought they were, they're going to be the two biggest races of the year i've had two years off so i need some practice yeah you know for when it matters truly for when it really matters when this points on the line because i'm you know these races are just for u.s team qualifying for the actual race that matters this year and that's going to be the roller games in in argentina i assume you're already qualified i'm actually not wait really yeah so there was a 
at the moment, I'm not on the team. Whoa. Because there was a, there's one qualifying race in Australia, um, and that was early this year in March. Oh, when your shoulder was... No, no, no. I yeah. was fully healed, ready to go. Um, but the day before I was supposed to fly down, I tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. I know, spewing. So the whole race ran without me. Um, I missed my qualifying race for the for the Australian team. So as of right now, I am not qualified for the Australian team. So I will not be going to the race that actually matters as it stands right now. Damn. Yeah. Gnarly. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah. It's it's pretty gnarly, but um, we'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Life goes on. Life goes on, exactly. It's um, a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But I'm happy I got it then and not now. Yeah, that's true, actually. You know, getting COVID abroad would suck. True. You know, um, but yeah, it is what it is, man. And we take it in our stride and just keep going. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear you have a, a, a more positive mindset about it. Well, what am I going to gain by having a negative mindset about it? I don't know. But Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I'm, I'm pretty chill about it. Um, we'll see what happens. Truly, truly. It's, it's, all, it's all ambiguous. It hasn't happened yet. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um. Do do you still have any of those original boards you and your dad made? Maybe somewhere back home. That sounds really cool. Um, I've been in like a bit of a traveling gypsy all up before COVID. Um, I never really lived anywhere for longer than three months because we were always like make money, grind, 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 spend all money skating, <laughs> return back of zero, sleep on someone's couch, repeat. You know what I mean? Um, so I haven't actually been able to bring a lot of stuff over with me, but I think there's a couple boards laying around back home. It's a cool piece of history. Yeah. And I, I definitely look over it with, you know, you know, I don't, it, how do I say this? It doesn't look so cool for me looking back on it as it is to maybe someone else, but like having a bit of perspective, like we had a board company when I was 16 it's pretty sick. Yeah. But I don't really see it that way because it's just like just something that happened. Just like a stepping stone on, on the way. Um, but it, it was very cool. Um, and I wish I had a bit more of like the stuff that we did like on hand at the moment. But, you know. It's hard I'm, to travel I'm, with. A it's hard to travel with. Skate with right? um, and I didn't really think about it, it being something that I'd look back on being like, fuck yeah, that was sick back then. Um, so like you kind of let everything get away with from you, um, but I'm sure there's some stuff back in Hong Kong somewhere. That's so cool. Um, I I, I want to take a little detour away from skateboarding. Sure, but I mean it always seems to go back there. Um, what what were you like as a kid? Were you were you a bit of a rambunctious child? Shy to people who don't didn't know me or, or to who I didn't know extremely loud and obnoxious to those who knew me or who I knew. Um, I was a bit of a nightmare as a kid. As soon as I could run, I ran. Just, yeah, like my mom and dad thought I was going to be like a runner or something because that's all I did, especially when I was like growing up as well. Like I would run track, I'd run cross country and just run, 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 run. Um, bit of a nightmare kid growing up. Um, but my parents were like, all right, He's got a lot of energy. What can we do with him? And they just like threw me into sport. So um, 
I was a lot very tired a lot of the time because I'm playing sport like you know seven times a week every single day um but yeah man like growing up as a kid I don't think there was really anything too special except for like you know just being very very active a lot of the time and like surrounding myself with people who are the same um but yeah I mean it's kind of hard to look back on because you know it it's me but I'm sure you could ask my parents and they'll tell you a lot more. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, did, did you have any dreams as as a kid before you got into skateboarding? Like, was there anything you were dead set on? Being a professional sportsman. I guess you succeeded in that. Not in the way that I thought I would, but yes, which is cool. Like, I, I, I'd rather be here than anywhere else because it's a bit more relaxed here and it's a bit more individual um, sport-wise. Um but yeah, I I think I always destined to do this and make money doing sport rather than like sitting in a cubicle and monkey typing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I never, I never ever wanted to work. I just wanted to play, and being a professional sportsman was like the way that I saw that happening. So I always wanted to like, dude, I wanted to go to the Olympics. Like I wanted to like a pro at something like I wanted to be a rugby player for a really long time and then it kind of dawned on me that like I wasn't so good at rugby <laughs> um, I wanted to be a soccer player for a heaps long time um, but that I wasn't too good at soccer either because um, I was playing rugby too much um, <laughs> I don't know like I wanted to be you know like a track, track star but then I wouldn't take it too seriously you know what I mean? And, I, and the people who did would smoke me. Um, and then I found skating and I was like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good at this one. Um, and yeah, here we are. That's, 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 uh, that's very cool. But it's weird, man. Cause like now that I, now that, now that you say that, like I, I genuinely thought like I'm going to be professional at something from like small, small kid interesting yeah it's really weird yeah i hadn't really thought about it that much but yeah i was dead set on like being something <laughs> that's so cool though you you've actually like pulled through with your desire from like a young age and you found like your own way to do it yeah with a lot of like thanks to a lot of patience from a lot of people around me i we, we got there we got there yeah that's that's amazing um how how has skateboarding shaped you as a person like i i you you mentioned you you were quite shy i don't really get that from you though maybe you might feel the, that way and not present it yeah i think i definitely like do feel that way more than actually project that into the world but that's something that you know you learn to deal with and especially like nowadays i'm meeting people who i either know or know through someone or they know me or they know me through someone so it's never like, especially with skateboarding, with the skateboarding community, like it's not super big. Um, so everyone kind of knows of everybody. Um, so it's never like I'm meeting new people for the first time. It's just like, oh yeah, I've seen you before or I've heard about you or you're so-and-so's mate, so we must be friends sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like what was the question again? <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, just, just how do you think you've grown through skateboarding? Oh, yeah. Um, well, obviously, like, the whole travel thing. Like, I would never... Actually, no, I wouldn't, won't say that. Like, 
I got to go to places a lot earlier than I thought I was ever going to be able to go to them because of skateboarding. Um, like, I, travel is a big, big thing in my family. My parents are cracked out travelers. Like, since, since I was a young kid, like, we've been going to the craziest places, like, driving through Tibet in the back of a car. Like, I'm 11, my sister's 9. You know, my parents are like, we're going to Lhasa. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, fuck, here we go. I'm like going to like hectic places like Nepal, India, uh, Myanmar. Uh, yeah, doing a lot of, we've done a lot of traveling. So I was kind of already prepared for that. Um, but then when it got onto skateboarding, like I was already ready. But then I was really able to like go out and do it by myself because I was so practiced in traveling. And I think that's where I grew a lot as a person. Um, mainly as a, like a guidance figure because I was so seasoned as, as a traveler from such a young age, people trusted me with, you know, bringing other people along for the ride. Um, so I ended up in the Philippines, you know, look, being responsible for like, a bunch of other people from back home who are way younger than me. I'm 16, they're all 14. Yeah, yeah, and they just let us go. <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy to think about now. Um, but yeah, like, I've definitely been able to step into a bit more of that role, just being, like, very comfortable on the road. Um, like, I could do this 365 days a year. I'd be very tired, but I could do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I've definitely grown up a lot, you know, from from all the traveling at a young age, like I feel like I'm deep into my 30s experience-wise by now because I lived my whole 20s when I was a teenager traveling and partying and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really given me like a nice outlook on life, um, a little very understanding of a lot more cultures than I think most people because I've actually been in the shit with a lot, like everywhere, like... The thing about skateboarding is, and you'll hear it all the time from anyone who's done a bit of travel through skateboarding, is that when you go and travel with skateboarding, you're never traveling to the capital city. You're never traveling to the main attraction that this country offers. You know, like I've never, I've been to Paris, I've been to France a bunch of times, never been to Paris. You know, it's, you know like, I, but I've been to Briançon, which nobody knows where the fuck that is, but like I've been like to see where people actually live and how they live and, um, just places that you'd never ever go to if it wasn't for your four bits of urethane and piece of wood. Yeah, that's funny. You know I mean, so that has molded me and my friends in a massive way. Small town French vibes are pretty nice. Small town French vibes are sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, just as sick as you know, small town Colombian vibes. Like it's 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 all different, but it all feels good. It feels right. Like it, I don't know, I just love it. That's so cool. Yeah. I, 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 that's that's a that's a that's a very interesting answer. It wasn't quite what I was expecting, but I think that's that's very neat. Um, so if you weren't uh, a, a downhill legend, what would you be doing with your time? Do you think? Like, let's say just skateboarding wasn't a part of your life. It depends where I'd be living. Okay, okay. It really depends where I'd be living. Like, it is definitely a like a alternate universe where I'm still living in Hong Kong, just like working and like partying a bunch which is like not too attractive compared to my reality now um there's an alternate reality where 
I actually went to university when I applied instead of deferring for a million years um, in the UK, which would be very boring and gray. So I'm glad I don't live in that reality either. And then there's a reality where I move back to Australia and go to university in Australia and just live a sick-ass life surfing in Australia. But I don't know. I just don't really see any of that ever happening because I was so dead set on like being a professional at something. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Like I really, there's like other things that I'd really enjoy. Like I really love surfing. Yeah. Yeah. I really love snowboarding like a lot. Um, but I don't know. Like I'd probably be a school teacher if I'm honest. Follow the, the, the parental path a bit. Yeah, both my parents just like, they tell me to do it as well. Like, man, you get paid good. You get like 12 weeks of holiday a year. You know, kids aren't that bad. <laughs> They're lying. Um, they really might be. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'd be doing about for skateboarding, but definitely something that's less fun. That's for sure. I probably have a lot more money though. <laughs> I mean, what's money worth if you're not having fun, right? Exactly. Like people, like people ask me, like, how do you do all these trips? And it's just like, Man, I got 500 bucks in my bank account. That's how I do it. Because I got nothing. Like, I spent everything on this. You know, it's probably not a good idea as you get older and you're going to start to accumulate more recurring payments that you're going to need to pay for. And, you know, if you want to, like, have a house or something one day, like, it doesn't really interest me that much. Like, I'd rather just, like, live my best life for as long as I can. And it is possible to do, and especially because I live in a country like in Australia where the the paying wage is so high that you can stack cash quick if you want to. Um, so, yeah. Good answer. <laughs> a lot of alternate realities, isn't there? A lot of alternate realities. I try not to think about them. Fair enough, honestly. Yeah. This is a pretty good one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a pretty good. Pretty it's good. a pretty good one. Some minor changes, but it's pretty good. Fair. What What would you change? Oh, no COVID? That'd be sick. That would be pretty sick. That'd be sick. So I can get like those two years back. That'd be tight. But I'm sure we're going to get a lot more. So no worries. Absolutely. I mean, best best Harry hasn't even happened yet. Exactly, so. man. Exactly. <laughs> um, what, what's what's your involvement with um, Get That? Get That Skate? Get That Skateboarding. So good question. Get That. Rep it till I die. Get, get that, that Skate. Get That Skate for life. You already know. Um Get That is a brand that came out of the Central Coast, which is about an hour and a half north where I live in Sydney. Um, started by our Lord and Savior, Jack Main. Um, he started a company because he's been, he's been in the game for a very, very long time. Um, and he looked around and he's like, bro, there's no clothing brand that is downhill skateboarding specific. Not a single one. No one that highlights downhill skateboarding as as like an art. Um, he was like, I'm going to do that. So what his brand started was he takes a photo, gets it illustrated, and then he puts it on the back of a t-shirt. So he'll pick a rider. Um, he'll take the photo himself. That's very important. Um, and then with the rider's consent, you know, print it on a t-shirt, sell it in their signature colorway. So right now, I'm wearing the black and yellow Zach Mills Goodwin shirt where he shot that photo on the Gold Coast. 
sick little squat toe side. I love it. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, and since then, it's become a bit of like a phenomenon in Australia. Like everybody reps it and it's cool to rep. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's Jack's, Jack's a genius with his, his brand, brand marketing and stuff. And he's just like created this thing that everyone wants to be a part of. And when you're a part of it, it feels good. You know what I mean? So I've been so stoked to be able to help out where I can. And I don't really do much. Like I post a little bit on the Instagram whenever Jack's not feeling it. Um, and I do some of the podcasts with him. Yeah. He likes to call me the co-host, but, um. I'm really just there just talking shit, man. Like, Jack runs the show and, and all credit to him and that, that's all his work. I'm just there along the ride. Shout out to you, Jack. Shout out, Jack, man. We love you. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just fortunate that he likes to keep me around and, you know, talk shit on, on the internet. Um, but he's really doing great things and what I really love about Jack is that he's always thinking in the future. He's thinking years ahead of me. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, who's going to be on the next shirt? He's like, He's got the next five shirts planned, you know? He's got everything planned. He's going to, like, socks, shoes, bags, wallets. Like, he's got it, man. He, he's, he's sorted. He's going to get that, and we're all going to get that. Um, so I'm just thankful to be part of the brand, and, yeah, I'm stoked on it. Have you learned any lessons about media and, and branding through it? I want to, yeah. I mean, like I said, just being able to create something that people want to be a part of is a skill um i'm not quite sure how to do it yet but i'm trying to learn um i wonder like i often wonder if jack's just a genius and he played it out to make it this way or if it was just something that happened organically as we went um either way it's sick as like i'm so so sick to watch um just the amount of support that the community back home puts behind get that is like inspiring like it's really really cool and I, I can't imagine how it makes jack feel being being the founder of a brand like that just like seeing the community like really get behind it and on this trip especially like the growth that we're seeing like we're at tepe and tacos and like everyone's wearing get that yeah it's so cool it's amazing like i feel amazing about it i can't imagine how he feels man so um he absolutely deserves that Jack Mayne is ride or die downhill skateboarding to the very end till the wheels fall off and then some. So, you know, shout out Jack. Don't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Hell yeah. That's sick. Um, I, I'm curious as to why you value long form content. Yeah. I think, was I telling you that before? I think you like mentioned it in a text. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I like podcasts. I, I always have. Um, I love long form conversation because you just feel like you're there. You know what I mean? Like it feels like you're in the room and just like, you know, you're just chilling. Like I, some of the jobs that I've done in the past have just been pretty mundane where you just do something until it's time to finish clock off. So like you're allowed to put music in and, or if you're commuting somewhere, like you put a podcast on or you're driving somewhere, put a podcast on. I don't know. I, I prefer it to music, which is a pretty controversial thing to say, I guess, for a lot of people. No, I prefer a podcast to music. Um, yeah, no, I just really like, you know, the avenues and the rivers and the way that conversation flows in, in a long form conversation. And I think it's a it's a skill 
Um, I don't think I'm particularly good at it, but I'd like to get better. Um, I think at the moment with the Get That podcast, especially, we run pretty quick episodes because I think they're a bit easier to consume. But I definitely think there's a market out there for longer form conversation because it can't just be me and you, right? There's there's a few other people. Yeah, this, like this, like that's why I I like the B side um, because Thank it you. runs for like an hour, hour and a half. And it's like, you can really get to understand where someone's coming from, like, you know, what their lens is, how they see the world in an hour and a half of conversation. So uh, that's why I like long form conversation. What about you? Um, pretty much the same deal. Honestly, I got really inspired by listening to, um, some, some podcasts before, like, um, people who are in the podcast space. I don't know if you know, rich roll, Ritual is probably my favorite podcaster. He's some vegan runner hippie dude. Nice. Um, but I, I just love it. It's really empowering stuff. He talks to like all these experts about psychology, spirituality, yeah. sustainability. And yeah. I'm like this is so awesome that someone can just like have a conversation for two hours that inspires me to be a better Absolutely. person. Yeah. Gives a new perspective that shares new ideas. Um, so I'm just so stoked. Like podcasting has been a big part of my life. So that's why I'm doing it. I'm just yeah, like, man. It's so sick, awesome. sick that you have your own podcast. Like I don't think I ever would have started one ever. So being able to like piggyback off Jack's is like ideal for me. So, it's so fun. Uh, yeah, it is fun. It is. It is nice. So I'm trying to coerce Jack into doing a bit more like longer form conversation, but that's a bit easier when you have fresh faces come through. So if we have somebody coming from overseas or somebody who's not like a regular on the podcast, then it's a bit more easy to do, um, I say longer form interviews because you're genuinely curious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you want to talk to them because like you don't see them every day. But, but when it's like me and Jack, like me and Jack speak almost every day. So it, maybe that's like a bit more difficult just to yarn about nothing, even though we're really good about talking about absolutely nothing. Um, when the lights come on, sometimes it gets a bit different, but um, I, I, I like doing the interviews. So we're trying to get people to come on the, the Get That podcast. So if you're ever in Australia, if you're ever in Australia, come on, we'll have a yarn and it'll be sick. That would be pretty sick. I don't know. I, I found, um, at least in this style, like I only have ever just interviewed somebody. I'll, I'll spend like two hours coming up with questions. Yeah, I'll good. A whole line and how they flow together and everything. Yeah. Like I, I try, to, try, good. To, try to get That's that. how you get better. Uh, it's true but uh always hiccups always getting better yeah that's it man it's it's a lot of fun um you you mentioned that you like podcasts over music do you do you still listen to music do you have 100 percent. yeah i listen to music but i don't like listen to music in the way that i know other people listen to music because they're like fans of like somebody and then they just like consume everything they've ever created like if you go through i don't like download albums you know what I mean? And then just like play them on repeat. I like I download songs, just like maybe one song. Like someone asks like, oh, do you listen to this artist? I'm like, yeah, but only one song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'm not, it's not something that like I really go after so much, but I like music, especially like when I hear something that would be like good for a video that I'm never going to make. Um, <laughs> then I like download that. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm not like a huge music guy, but I do love a good anthem. What What's your your main vibe? I don't. Know, I like rap. Rap is pretty good. Yeah, I like rap or like 
like I don't really have a main main vibe, but if I if you were gonna take the majority of my music out of my liked songs on Spotify, I'd say most of it would be like early nineties hip hop rap. Um that's that's kind of my vibe. Um always has been. But I definitely love some Darude Sandstorm. I definitely love some Venga Boys. Um yeah, no, I love all sorts of music, but it, it really it's not like a like a genre thing, it's more just like a how it makes you feel if you want to dance if you want to sing stuff like that I, I got that i got that it's it's so amazing though like music you can it, it, it portrays a lot of emotion so it's all about yeah. how you're feeling yeah, in the moment right i guess it's that's a pretty good way of summing up it's mainly about the emotion rather than like the actual person who's singing it like i don't really get behind new music so much it kind of like trickles down and follow finds me eventually yeah but like i'm not like you know refreshing my phone to see what the new hot shit is yeah no uh unfortunately i got into a site called rate your music so i i listen to like every new album every year as okay it comes out I'm yeah like, this is so cool There's well that's sick music. too like if, if that's your thing then absolutely go it do be. yeah funny enough the the b-side is named after the backside of a record oh yeah well there you go so it's all about music though i have n- never interviewed people about music well, really. maybe you should i probably should i got one friend who i asked some questions about but that's really it um sick. do do you listen to music when you skate no I listen out for cars. <laughs> I'm not listening to music. I used to see Smart. These, I used to see these old videos of like James Kelly. Um, you know, he's got one earphone in and the other one's like dangling out of his shirt and he's just like jamming while like smashing runs and I'm like, bro, that looks fun, but like kind of dangerous. I have listened to music at a free ride, so at K and K. Uh I had earphones in and I'd listen to music while skating and it was so sick. Oh my god, it was so cool! Like you, you cue the right song, <laughs> and then you like drop in, and it's like like you're fucking skating in a video game, or like you're skating in a video part. You're like, skating that you're in creating the edit. yourself. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're you're skating in the edit, and that's really sick. Um, but nah, not not open roads, man. I just kind of like just listen out for cars, enjoy the sound of the wind. Yeah, the wind sounds get pretty wild. I'd imagine the going faster fast you too. go, yeah, it's like. So she got an aero lid and it like circulates a little bit differently. Yeah? It gets loud, yeah. Oh, cool. What what do you think the fastest you've been on a skateboard is? Do you know? Uh I don't know exactly, but I've been to the fastest road in the world. Oh no, second fastest road in the world, if you will, in Colorado, RIP, that road, because it got chip sealed. Um, and they estimate I went they said seventy five miles an hour. So I think that's like hundred and twenty Ks, hundred and twenty five Ks. That's very fast on a piece but, of wood. But I don't have an exact yeah, 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 that's speed fair. on that. No no police officer to be like, You're speeding. Yeah, no. None, <laughs> none of that. But it was damn quick. It going was really, going thirty over the limit on a skateboard. Yeah, well <laughs> the thing was, man, like that hill, it was like the easiest hill I've ever ridden because the pavement was so smooth that you that's why it was so fast the pavement was so smooth i'm not sure if it was like some space age pavement i've heard some people say that before it was like riding on a marble countertop whoa it was insanely fast um and that was out of a out on a road in colorado where carl wester set his world record okay yeah um definitely stoked i think we were the last people to ever get to skate it Damn. with the old pave so to check that uh, check that one off that's 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 very cool and that's ridiculous speed too it's it's fast speed yeah 100 but just straight speed uh yes <laughs> you can hear everything at that speed especially people behind you 
Yeah. You hear the bearings, you hear the wheels coming, you hear the, the different... If you skate behind somebody that speed and you pop in and out of a draft, like the sound is nuts. Really? The turbulent air. Whoa. Yeah, it's really, really, really weird. Um, I hope you get to experience that one day. Like Maybe. The, yeah, you, you like get sucked in behind them and then you feel like the dirty air. Like, Whoa. like your fucking like visor starts to shake and yeah. Yeah, dude, it's quick. <laughs> that's insane yeah it is it is insane what, what does it feel like to catch a draft in a race amazing yeah it's like oh i got you um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean and some people some people have different drafts to others like depending on how how you talk like some people's draft will be more out to the left some people's drafts will be like more out to the right some people's drafts will be way lower and then harder to draft so if you're a big guy and you got a small guy in front of you you better hope you're heavier than them because that draft is real low and real small. So it's really hard to get around those types of people. Um, but I think a better skill rather than drafting people is passing people because they're not the same thing. And when, knowing when to pass and when knowing when not to pass. Like Mary Hill is a very good example for that. Like you don't want to pass too early because you don't want to be in front for some corners. Like typically people get passed in the very last straight before the last corner so it's like you don't want to be first there so like you're coming up on someone you catch a draft and then you move out of the draft for the wind to hit you so you slow down so you don't pass like it's like a whole other thing um yeah racing is is so so complicated and so like you know rely relying on your tactics and you know when to go when to not go but um yeah the, the draft is it's a crazy phenomenon that we don't really have in a lot of sports because sports have like acceleration. I'm sure that like surely there's slipstream, but there's also propulsion involved in that. When your only propulsion is, you know, created by you being aerodynamic with your body, picking your lines and then using like a like a draft of somebody in front of you, like that's a whole different skill. Yeah, it, it it seems seems crazy, especially to like cognitively be like, there's a lower pressure zone behind this person, and you can literally feel it, and you like can get sucked you into can it. Literally feel it, like, yeah, it's it's a pretty surreal experience, especially if you've never done it before. Like the first time you draft and pass somebody, you're just like, wow, I got the gas on me today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it it seems seems pretty crazy. Maybe yeah, maybe one day is. for me, but um yeah for sure. We're we're running up to the end of my questions. We've been running for just over two hours. Oh really? Yeah. There you go. Um. So, uh, where where can people find you if if someone's listening to this and they don't know where 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 can we find you skate? Where can we find you on socials? Uh well, if you're ever in Sydney and you're watching this, please message me. You can message me on my Instagram. I think it's has Clark underscore HLSS. Um facebook if you still do that um yeah <laughs> um yeah hit me up on the gram more importantly if you're ever in sydney get that skateboarding you hit up us we'll take you out we'll get you on the podcast whether you skate whether you don't skate it's all about the family getting people to have a good time um and yeah anyway you don't have to be in sydney if you're in australia i'll set you up if you're in hong kong i'll set you up like don't worry about it i'm always down to skate every time hell yeah um and, and my last question if you could say anything to someone who's who's thinking about starting to skate or getting into it or, or any hobby in general uh, what would you say uh win is never quit quit is never win hell yeah pretty much it man like if you're in especially in this in downhill 
if you don't stop skating, you will be good. That's just it. If you never quit, you will get really, really good. Like you're not going to get to the level that you want to be at until you're at least like 10 years deep. Do you know what I mean? But if you do not quit, you will get to 10 years and you will be so good at this. So I'm sure you can relay and apply that to anything in your life, whether it's you learning to play guitar again or, you know, anything. Absolutely. Like if you don't quit, if you quit, you're never going to get there. So it's, it's about consistency. It's about, you know, doing it as much as you can. And, um, and that's it. Like I was never the most gifted person at the session. Like, you know, some people just have it. Yeah. You know, like the Alex Charlsons of the world who are just like freaks who just like rock up one day and start doing switch toe sides. Like I was never one of those guys, but I've been around. I've been here for a long time. I've done a lot of events um, and, and eventually you'll, you'll get there, to get to where you want to be. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm doing pretty good. You're working I, on I, the free ride? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's definitely that's something that I definitely have to step up my game on. But, um, but yeah, man, if you don't quit, you'll never get, if, if you quit, you'll never get to where you want to go. So don't do that. Don't do that. So maybe one day we'll see the rare free ride has. Yeah. Rare and extremely based free ride. <laughs> <laughs> get the gloves off the ground. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for no coming worries. on. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad we could make this happen. It was quite unexpected. Shout out to Kat. You want um, to say something? Maybe not. No. She was just sniffing. All right. I, I do have some thank yous to say because I always say thanks. I want to say a special thank you today to my boss who's letting me take time off work <laughs> to do this. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Shout out, Joe. Shout out, Joe. Um, I want to say a thank you to my dad who helped me get some of the gear thank yep. you to my friend eldritch for my my awesome logo and banner and things i didn't realize i would have an image but now i do so Hell yeah thank you to my friend sam mitchell for helping me make intro music thank you to my buddy reiner for helping me set all this stuff up and um uh, uh thank you to noah who let me use his premiere until it expired. So I just pirated it. <laughs> Let's go. Sick. Thank you to John, John Isguera, for helping me pirate premiere. You're a legend. And very special thank you to my one and only sponsor, my mother. Yes. Let's go. Thanks, Mom. Shout out. Can we get a round of, round of applause? Love you, Mom. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and I'll see you next time whenever I decide to make another one of these. Hell yeah. Too bad, eh, kitty?